All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was... uh, I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. so much for listening to the straight out of prison podcast we're going to be doing something a little bit different in january but in that what i want to do is i want a season where i put the 12 keys on the straight out of prison podcast so season five will be coming soon but in the meantime i'm going to put up as season six these 12 keys to life after prison and just see what happens with that it really is part of my story it's part of how i got from where i was to where i needed to be and i hope you enjoy it i'm probably going to be dropping two or three of those a week we are going to give to you we're calling them the 12 keys i know james doesn't like to call it the 12 keys but it's basically 12 things that he talked about through the process so far in the past season of things that he had to walk through when coming out of prison even still in prison and the things that got him out and just kind of gotten him and us to where we are today. So in January, we're going to be unpacking those keys. And I love it because we've called it in the past a teaching companion to the Straight Out of Prison podcast, but it really is just referencing back to podcasts that you've heard so far and just unpacking some of these really valuable, in my opinion, truths. So I'm excited for you guys to hear them, to hear what you think. They've been some of my very favorite to record because we're talking about the story, but we're also kind of making it more relevant and practical things for all of us really in our lives today. James K. Jones, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Haley Jones, to unpack the number seven key. Yes, we are here, and we are unpacking the keys. Actually, I told you, I don't know if it was during a recording or just you and I talking, but I think this is my favorite podcast to do. It is? Yeah. I feel like this one's a little more... I guess stressful for me because I there's so much studying on the front end. Right. And I want to make sure that I'm accurate and communicating. But for me, honestly, when I did these by myself, when I listened to them back again, it sounded like I was reading bullet points off of a uh, <laughs> off of a, 
a Word document or something, or yeah. off a note card. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Well, I love them because, I mean, I just love this kind of stuff anyway. I mean, this self, I, people make fun of me because, like, <laughs> oh, what books do you read? Like, do you read, like, romantic, you know, books or whatever? Yeah. And honestly, like, I really like the self-help book type things, you know, that I'm always same. reading. So this is kind of the same type of thing. But also you are so good at the history stuff and bringing in stories and stuff that I haven't thought about it and just connecting. So it's been challenging to me, but also, I mean, I'm learning something in the process. So I love it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm the same with books. I mean, I don't just read self-help books, but I won't read, uh, I don't read nonfiction. Right. Yeah. Nonfiction is probably like the better way to put it that I'm not really into nonfiction. I don't even, there was a series of books that came out by Patrick Lencioni. Mm-hmm. And I've heard him speak. He's amazing. But he writes books to teach leadership principles. But they're just, it's like a fiction, like he made the stories up. Mm-hmm. And there are good lessons in it, but I always go back to, oh, but this didn't really happen. So yeah, <laughs> I funny. need to stick with uh, just history, things that actual stories. Right. You know, not just um, what could be. Right. But like what actually happened. Yeah, absolutely. I'm there too. All right. So now we recap. I recap. do know that. Okay. So She's let's paying recap. Attention to detail. And I also remember the first key. So I'll start. Okay, go ahead. Number one key commitment. All right. Don't burn say the ships. I knew you're gonna tell me not to say that. That's why I said it. <laughs> no, I, I was trying with the recap to like say it a different way every time. Okay, say it a different way. Go ahead. No, you're good. We'll, we'll stick with burning <laughs> ships. You know, you gotta close the door on what was. If you want to go into what is like, you have to be willing to say, this is my status quo, which mm-hmm. is Latin for the mess that I'm in mm-hmm. <laughs> and do something different. If you want something different. Right. If you don't want something different, don't worry about it. <laughs> Keep doing the same thing. Okay. Number two key. What is it? Acceptance. Acceptance was um, accepting responsibility for your life. You mm-hmm. know, I own this, I own this life that I'm living, but also accepting reality, you know, not living in the pink cloud of unicorn fantasies and uh, rainbows and butterflies, but like just accepting this is where we are. This is what we got to do and pushing forward and figuring it out. Right. Okay. Number three, Trace, uno, dos, Trace, go. What (laughs) is it? I'm not a Spaniard. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like we talk a lot about Spaniards. I don't know a lot of your stories. There was one story about a Spaniard. <laughs> okay. Her name, Cortez. Anyway, number three key. He was a conquistador. I do like saying conquistador. <laughs> number three key is uh, process, just uh, accepting the fact that everything in life is a process, embracing the process, taking the next steps, and not hating every day just because you're not where you want to be yet, but actually enjoying your life while you're going through the process. It's funny, this week I had a process moment. A few months ago, I started doing our editing for our podcast mm-hmm. because... Basically, just because we're doing them for real, real and all the stuff we wanted to be in real time, like to be able to tape it, edit it and put it out there for people. And I taught myself how to edit, which is insane <laughs> because I'm, I don't know anything about audio. Yeah. But uh, every time I edit a podcast and you know, I'm creating our ads and stuff now for our sponsors, every time I do one, I learn something else. It's like, oh, gosh. And I was in I've been up. You know, to midnight sometimes or more. Uh, more, for sure. <laughs> Figuring out, you know, if we're on a crunch to get it done. But uh, I just found myself yesterday in the bathroom just thinking, gosh, I wish I would have known this. You know, this little trick I learned a couple months ago would have saved so much time. And I was just like going through the lamenting know, what ifs and if yeah. always. 
And uh, I just felt like Jesus was like, uh, that's embracing the process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have to do things to learn how to do them. And the more you do it, the better it gets. And that really is. I don't know. I felt challenged by my own words with that. Right. You know, embrace the process. You, it may be something new. It's foreign to me. I don't understand it, but keep going. The process things. is hard, but we may as well get used to it because we're always in it well, in one way or another. You can't get away from it. Yeah. I mean, you can try, but yeah. Know. I don't want to redo the number three key. You can go back right. to listen to that one. Okay. Number four. Self-image. It's all about the way I see myself. And really, I learn this more every day. The way I see myself determines the way other people see me. So if I'm confident, if I'm... Right. Like if you're confident or if you're feeling kind of like beat down or insecure yeah. or something, like people feel that vibe. They pick up on it. Yeah. And people treat you the way you see yourself. Yeah. It really is. It's hard to get away from that. All right, number five. Uh, inner vows. That's the promises that we make to ourselves inside of ourselves. We can make negative promises that bring negative results, or we can go through the process of removing the negative promises, which are really just lies, mm-hmm. and replacing them with positive, life-affirming truths, like telling the truth to ourselves about life and the things we experience. Right. Number six. All right, the number six key was regret and self-pity. And it's just living in the what ifs and if onlys and what about me's. And it's really. Yeah, I think this is an easy one for us to be in and not realize we're in it. It's like even like a subconscious thing, you know. Yeah. So regret is just if only this, if only I would have, if only I wouldn't have. Self-pity is, oh, but what about me and what I'm going through? Mm -hmm. And I actually found myself just this weekend finding myself in a place of regret and self-pity where I kind of slipped into those slopes. Yeah. <laughs> and it is like a, it's like playing on a muddy hill. Slippery slopes. Yeah. You, you play around with regret and self-pity, feeling sorry for yourself or regretting, and you'll, you'll get, you'll slip down them slopes. And when you do, you, you get depressed and then you got to figure it out and you got to come out and all the things. I have to say being married to you eight years, like I have seen such like a big change and difference from when we first got married to now. Yeah. Just you being able to recognize and then kind of pull yourself off the slippery slope, so to speak. <laughs> and yeah, because I mean, you know, we can all do it, but I think different personalities bend towards this more naturally than others maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just like all of these that we're talking about. Yeah, like you feel like I'm a one on the Enneagram, I'm a DC on the disc profile. Mm-hmm. Like I can find something wrong with anything. Right, exactly. And yeah. if you can do that, then you can stay there. Right, right. So we're in a new, uh, going back to process, we're in a new part of our business with this podcasting stuff, making it work. I feel like we work all the time. Right. <laughs> and just learning how to monetize and how to be able to, you know, like pay our mortgage and take care of our family. Mm-hmm. And it seems like every month has just been a struggle. I know this is where I'm supposed to be. I know I'm supposed to learn the things I'm supposed to learn while I'm here, but I'm I think it was Friday. I just got like I'm tired of this. I'm tired of like worrying about where it's gonna come from and how I'm gonna figure this out and do this. And I did. I found myself in a funk. Mm-hmm. And I was also exhausted because we've right. had a lot of things going on. Right. But uh, talk about maybe how I got like that this weekend. How did that affect you? We'll be right back. Head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. 
You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. Yeah, I mean, because you didn't really say that, and that's what's, you know, interesting about this, too. Like, you didn't really voice that or articulate that on Friday. Yeah. So I actually didn't even know you were feeling all of that on Friday, but I could feel a little bit of, like, a shutdown or, I don't know, it was not a wall, but just, like, you kind of, like, remove yourself, like, mentally, emotionally, and then I'm like, okay, what's happening here? I don't feel connected to you. Yeah, you told me that several times. And really, it has nothing to do with me it has to do with kind of what you're dealing with in your head yeah that i don't know about but because i don't know that i feel like what's going on i don't know it just creates like stress and anxiety but for me this stress anxiety i'm not even sure what it's for because <laughs> you know when you feel that from your partner i mean you know yeah. that's true i think in a close relationship work marriage i mean especially marriage when you live together and work together mm-hmm. you can feel when something's off or like disconnected and that can be hard for the other person especially when you don't know why it is yeah and that's a that's a good reason to like pay attention to stuff and attack it when it comes yeah absolutely because i woke up monday morning and i felt like jesus was like well, you got a lot of rest this weekend, but has your mind rested? Mm. And I was like, no. <laughs> Which is true. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. That and you can I, be resting and not have a rest in your mind. No. Yeah. And everything worked itself out within mm-hmm. 24 hours. Everything I was, you know, in a panic about, worried about, regretting. Like, did I do the right thing? Am I doing it? Am I, right. Am I on the right track? Am I going the right way? Yeah. It worked itself out. Yeah. And you just got to keep going. So and if it was easy, if this process was easy, I know for me, I would take it for granted. It's supposed to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's not, it don't have to be as hard as sometimes we make it. Right. But it's supposed to require effort and faith and, you know, putting in everything you got. And, and learning things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. That's the biggest part. Okay. So let's hop on over to the number seven key, which is what we're unpacking today. And... Tell us what it is. Num- I don't even know. <laughs> you don't know? Well, remind me. I, mean, I just need a reminder. <laughs> You've actually been through these keys several times. I know, I know. <laughs> so the number seven key is all about failure and what to do with failure. Mm. So there's a neat uh, passage in the Proverbs of Solomon where he said, a righteous man will fall down seven times, but he'll get up seven times. Mm. So that's really... So basically you just need to get up. 
<laughs> well, I'm going to take that a step further because last year I attended, it was actually virtual, but it was this like leadership conference thing. Yeah. And I don't remember who it was. I think Details. like Boeing CEO or something like that. But, you know, he's he's been a part of several corporations and is uber successful. Mm-hmm. But he was like, I've learned that, yes, you say like when you fail, you know, you got to get up and try again. I think we've all heard that. Yeah. But he took it to the next level and said, but I'm going to say that the most successful people are the people that when they fall, they get up the quickest. Oh, the quickest. Yeah. So like, don't, you know, stay on the ground where once you failed, kind of like the self-pity thing, you know, don't just like sit in it and take it like, okay, I'm going to try again eventually. Like, <laughs> you know, but like the most successful people are the ones that because everybody's going to fall, everyone's going to fail, yeah. but it's the people it's that get back up the quickest that are the most successful. Well, I would like to bring a different, I guess, flavor to this key. Okay. I was in a conference several years ago where John Maxwell was speaking. If you don't know who he is, he's been a leadership teacher for years and yeah. he's wrote Tons of books. He's very successful. But the lessons that he teaches you are so simple, but they produce results. Mm-hmm. He was talking about this falling down and getting back up. And he brought a different perspective from it because I have I learned this when I was in prison. But this whole idea of we fall down, we get up. We fall down, we get up. We fall down, we get up. He He brought a different angle where he said, you know, people say they respect the guy that keeps falling down and getting back up, and there he goes again. He's falling down. Oh, he's getting back up. Falling down again. He's getting back up again. But he said, if you don't learn something when you fall down, just because you get back up, I'm not impressed with you because you're just going <laughs> to fall down again. <laughs> like you're going to keep doing the same yeah. thing over and over again. The and definition of insanity, right? Yeah, from yeah. Einstein, to mm-hmm. keep doing the same thing, expecting to get a different result. So, But that is really the key to this key, we're going to fall down, we're going to fail, but if we can learn something from it, then it becomes a stepping stone to success. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I I like that add-on because I do think, when you think about it, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I don't want to keep falling over and over again, never learn anything, never actually move the ball forward. Yeah. It feels like a waste of failures. (laughs) It is. But if you can can turn it around, Mm -hmm. it can be the thing that makes you, mm-hmm. like your fears can be the thing that makes you. And I learned when I was released from prison, you know, I always thought my biggest failure was getting arrested. You know, my life was over. Even after coming into a relationship with Jesus, like, okay, we just got to figure it out. And, you know, I'm always going to have this stain on me, this mark. I'm always going to have like a scarlet letter, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I learned my biggest failure actually became stepping stones for the rest of my life. Like, yeah. even to this day, everything that we see is because of that huge fail early on that led me into other things. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to the current season, the season four of the Straight Out of Prison podcast in 2012, when I opened my second restaurant, it failed horribly, I almost went bankrupt. I could have given in and quit, and I did consider that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to move back home, leave, start over, go bankrupt, do something else. But if I did that, I think I would have stayed there. Mm-hmm. I would just been bitter and jaded the rest of my life. But instead of giving in and quitting, I decided, well, I got to learn something. I got to figure it out. And those weren't easy lessons to learn. But that was about the time I met you. Then we got married. But then, you know, our first couple years of marriage, I was under such a heavy weight of financial difficulties and all the things that 
came from that, that fail. Mm-hmm. So I have to say, this, I don't know, this reminds me of, we got Lula, our daughter, a journal, and it's about, it's just like a life journal and building confidence and, you know, but anyway, one of, a couple of the sections are failing yeah. and what your failures, failures are and how it's important to fail because that's how you learn. Yep. And it's been so fascinating to me. Um, because one of the things you do is like, okay, let's talk about ask your journal buddy, which this night it was me, like something <laughs> you failed at and then what you learned fr- from that failure. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like it struck me, I had a hard time thinking of not because I haven't had hundreds, yeah. not thousands of failures, but it's like, I don't want to think about that. I don't like keep those locked in my brain like, oh, when I failed then. But, I mean, eventually I thought of something, but then when it got to Lula's turn, and I asked her, and she was like, mm, I don't know. And She doesn't like to fail. Then she talked about, well, she doesn't like to fail, but she also doesn't like to talk about it. So yeah, she doesn't like to fail or make mistakes. She brought up a situation where she didn't get a handstand right in gymnastics, and I was like, ah, I don't think that's what they're talking about. I think it's just like you actually made a mistake. You knew it was a mistake, and then you learned from it. So I brought up the situation in her classroom where she didn't listen to her teacher, <laughs> and she didn't get the smiley face or whatever, and she um, had to be called out in front of the class. She actually came home weeping, weeping. You know, she she's not used to. Anyway, so when she couldn't think of one, she said, can you help me think of one? And I said, yeah, well, what about that time, you know, with Miss Peacock, that's her name, yeah. you know, and she like, she sat there for a second and like kind of pursed her lips and was like, mm, I don't want to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> and then I brought up one other thing that I could think of, you know, mistake. She's like, I don't want to write that down either. But just how, you know, we don't want to necessarily even acknowledge that we've messed up. Yeah. Because it's embarrassing and it's shameful, but we have to acknowledge it to be able to but that's learn how, and grow. That's how we learn. Right. Staying on Lula May, I mean, teaching your kids is so fun, but can be difficult. Mm-hmm. But this was probably... Two years ago, it was right after we moved in our current house. She made up a contest one Saturday morning that she was going to make her bed and you were going to make your bed and I was going to be the judge to see who made the best bed. <laughs> and there was a lollipop or something that was going to be the prize. And she had it all figured out. Right. So you went in your room, you made up your bed. She went in her room, she made up her bed, and it was my... I had to be the judge. I didn't want to be the judge. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to judge between my two girls. Like, no. <laughs> but uh, I felt like I had a choice to make with that was to lie and let her win because I knew she wanted to win or help her learn something. <laughs> and I Because mama was playing to win. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm going to just be the judge. I'm going to just tell the truth. However, let the chips fall where they may. And I went. To our bed, and it was perfectly made, pillows, all stuff. <laughs> I went to Lou's bed, and it was not. <laughs> and it was, and she tried, but it was a mess. So when I told her that mommy won, like, she screamed and cried, and, oh, was just in mourning, and I wanted to win. And I remember I pulled her up. We spent about an hour that day talking about this. I showed her everything that she did. Like, if you want to win in life, you have to, like, pay attention to details. I showed her everything she did wrong as far as making her bed, and then we coined a phrase. I actually have not got this printed, but I want to have this printed and put up in her room. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I win, sometimes I learn, but I'm never a failure unless I quit. Yeah. So, And I, I really believe this is the key to this key. It is we can let mistakes and failures devastate us or stop us or beat us down, 
Well, we can learn from them, and they'll actually drive us forward. They'll be the thing that pushes us into destiny. And I love that story because it's thinking about, you know, just uh, the lens that we have on mistakes when we make mistakes. Like in that situation, what she didn't take into account is that, you know, I have 30 years experience making the bed. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing it a long time. I had, you know, somebody show me, I practice and practice. And I think a lot of times we get into this comparison game because we failed something and somebody mm-hmm. else is doing it better or get surprised or whatever, you know, that yeah. we got to put that other lens on it. Like, well, you know, it's a different scenario. They've been maybe been doing it a long time, more experience, whatever. But to just take that and learn from it, like you said. And you can learn from them. Yeah. If you if somebody Absolutely. beats you or something, you can learn from yeah. them. Give me a story. I want a story. You like stories. I do. You? That's good because I have plenty of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think in this one, probably the one, there's several that drives it home for me, but have you heard of the Native Americans, how they did a rain dance? Have you ever heard of that? I mean, I've heard of a rain dance. I can't, I don't know. Like if it wasn't raining and this was, you know, pre-modern world, if they didn't have rain, they didn't have crops and they didn't eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they could have just ate animals, but their like right. their corn and stuff didn't grow. If they didn't have rain, so they needed rain. Was, it was you're desperate. Right. So they had this thing called a rain dance where they put on this big show and they would walk around beating on the drums and sending up the smoke signals and all things to make it rain. They were going to make it rain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So here's the key to that. Do you know that worked? The rain dance worked for them every time? It did? Every time. Why is that? How was that, I should say? Because they wouldn't stop dancing until it rained. (laughs) You don't get it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are you not getting that so like eventually it's gonna rain absolutely yeah <laughs> but, but they it worked for them 100 percent of the time because they wouldn't stop dancing until it rained uh, so really they demonstrate through the rain dance that if we persist and keep going mm-hmm. even if we fail even right. if we have to rain dance for three days mm-hmm. or a week whatever yeah eventually we're gonna win mm-hmm. <laughs> so i just i love that story. i like that too that's neat so that, that's why i worked for them because they weren't gonna quit dancing to right. it <laughs> <laughs> is that a true story yeah google it <laughs> that's kind of cool they didn't quit dancing to it rained. all right the next one i got comes from history thomas edison and if you go back to I forget which key we were talking about, but Haley, you thought that Albert Einstein was Thomas Edison. No, I didn't. I just thought got the quotes mixed up, I guess. So this is the actual Thomas Edison okay. I'm talking about. So he was a man who was brilliant, but he had a lot of failure in his life. Mm-hmm. And when he was a kid, his teacher sent him home from school with a note to give his mom. And when he gave the, his mom the note, she opened it up and read it, and she like, got emotional, like, welled up, like, tears welled up in her eyes. And he knew that something was up. He was only five or six years old. Mm -hmm. And he said, Mom, what does the note say? And she said, the note says that you're too smart to be in school with them, so I need to teach you at home. And, you know, he became an inventor, brilliant. You know, he he didn't discover electricity, but he learned how to use it. He created a light bulb, you know, thousands of things he created. Mm Mm-hmm. But after his mom passed away, when he was cleaning out her stuff, he found the note. And the note said that your son is slow and stupid, and he doesn't comprehend anything that I'm trying to teach him. So it would be better for you to teach him because he ain't going to learn nothing here. But it was because wow. he, But it was because he was different. It wasn't because he was stupid. Right. It was because he was different. But anyways, he went on 
to his achievements. Like, look around the room right now. Light bulbs, film, everything. I mean, he like created... literally a brilliant mind. Yeah. Yeah. But he wouldn't give up until he found what he needed. Mm-hmm. And the story goes, you know, he found... He was trying to make the first light bulb, and it took him ten thousand over ten thousand attempts before he finally found a piece of burnt cardboard <laughs> that worked in a light bulb that lit the first light bulb. Mm-hmm. But this is what he said about that. He said, "I have not failed. I've just found ten thousand ways that won't work." So he understood the process going through it. If you're an inventor, you're doing all the things. And he really, for a failure, if you're going through a fail, he shows us how if we just shift our perspective a little bit, yeah, it can keep us going. And going back to our failures can be stepping stones to success if we learn something from it. So with every one of those experiments he tried to make in the light, well, we learned something. Yeah. But he saw that on the end. And he made the freaking light. Right. <laughs> he made light bulbs. I mean, that changed the world. That yeah. revolutionized the world. I love that. So what if we had to quit at 9999 I mean, like, I'm never going to be able to figure this mess out. <laughs> <laughs> Where well, would we be? Someone else might have done it, but then they then that other person would have to go through the whole process. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he used what he learned in that process to do other things. Yeah. And, you know, you he can, built on it. That's neat. Yeah. He's an amazing life, amazing mind. But he was rejected early on by his teachers. All right. You got any more stories? Well, probably my, one of my favorite ones is because it's about delicious goodness. It's about food. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a story of uh, a guy who was a restaurateur. Mm-hmm. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Like he had a restaurant. Um, had a pretty successful restaurant outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Him and his brother were in business together. Mm-hmm. They were doing well. They were successful. It was... Uh, Pre-sick, like in the 50s somewhere, you know, old-time America, fast food hadn't been invented, you know, all things. Right. And he was rocking and rolling, doing well. His brother was his business partner. And his brother, who was his business partner, and his other brother were on a plane trip to somewhere, and their plane crashed, and he lost his brothers. Like, he was mm. found himself not just without a business partner, but without his brothers, and you know, he was alone. Right. Fast forward a few months after that, his restaurant caught on fire, and it burned to the ground. And he didn't have any insurance. Mm-hmm. So he lost his brothers, then he lost his business, and then he had some kind of condition, I believe it was a back problem, where they did a surgery on him that went wrong, mm-hmm. and he found himself laid up in a hospital for like months and months and months in recovery, where all he could do was lay there and look at the ceiling. And it was during this time where he was trying to come up with ideas, because he, he, his heart was the restaurant business, that was what he wanted to do. Yeah. That it would be possible to do something like groundbreaking something new. And while he was on that bed, he came up with the idea to take a piece of chicken, like a chicken breast, take the bone out of it, season it, marinate it, season it, and fry it, and put it between two pieces of bread. And (laughs) long story short... That man was true at Kathy. He founded Chick-fil-A, and he's the inventor of the Chick-fil-A sandwich. But he had every right to quit and just be like, I'm just going to move on, you know. Right. But through that process of going through all those fails, he may, we may never have a chicken sandwich if it wasn't for that. Which would be a disaster. <laughs> I'm telling you, I am obsessed with Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah, no, Chick-fil-A's, you can't beat Chick-fil-A. No, you can't. And, you know, lately it's Somebody culture. calls it God's chicken. Sorry. It's that gospel God's bird. God's chicken. It's that gospel <laughs> bird. Um, but, you know, these days with the 
culture the way it is. People are attacking them. Just eat your sandwich. Exactly. Just get a number one with cheese and be done with it. <laughs> well, I get a number one with cheese with extra pickles. That's my go-to. Naturally. And my kids. Lord have mercy, my kids. They love some Chick-fil-A. Oh. All right. The last one I'll talk about actually comes from the Bible. The disciple Peter. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Uh, vaguely, yeah. He, he was the loud mouth. He was the showboat. He was always yeah. rocking and rolling. Uh, he was always telling Jesus all the things he was going to do. And, you know, when they came to arrest Jesus, he cut off a guy's ear. And Jesus had to heal the guy and told him, like, that's not what we're not doing. This is not what we're doing. Peter was a go-getter. Yeah. Peter <laughs> Peter was a lot. But I'm so thankful when I first started following Jesus that Peter was in the Bible because it helped me realize, like, he can do something with me, too. If we can Peter. <laughs> Peter was a mess. But when Jesus was arrested, when he was on trial, he denied knowing him three times. So after he was crucified, Peter was depressed and, you know, it was just the worst fail of his life. And he told his friends, I'm going back fishing. I'm going to go back to my old life. You know, later on, three days later, Jesus appeared and was like, hey, this was all part of the process. Mm-hmm. And the, the ladies that found him, he said, go and tell my disciples and Peter that I'm alive. So anyways, make a long story short, through his biggest fail, I believe that humbled him. Mm-hmm. And he actually became the leader of the movement after Jesus was gone and that burst the Church of Jesus Christ. Isn't he the one that denied him? Yeah. Three times. Yeah. That was his fail. Yeah. I mean, it was a miserable failure. Yeah. And he could have taken that and did something else. Yeah. I feel like you could apply a lot of keys to that story. But. Oh, yeah. I think we've used it in another key. Yeah. Yeah. Self-image or something. I can't mm-hmm. remember. But no, that's one of my favorite stories because he went from being a showboat to being totally humbled on his face to being what God created him to be, yeah. which was a leader and a influencer, and he, you know, learned from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> he did, but then, but it produced results because then he had the humility and the meekness and the things he needed to be able to lead a movement, mm-hmm. and that spread throughout the whole world. Honestly, for me, I think about that. I think, like, I just want to be like, okay, let me learn everything I need to learn because I don't want to <laughs> fall on my face anymore. Like, let me not get to the place where it's like a total disaster before I learn what I need to learn. It is. Do you remember, <laughs> it was the year after we were married, we went to the Verizon store to do something with our phones, and we met a young man named Ben, mm. and he had just graduated from college, and he was... Working at the Verizon store. Right. And somehow he started talking to us and asking questions. And do you remember that story? Of course I remember. I don't remember why I told him my story. You know, I'm in the middle of almost bankruptcy, all the things. And I was uber pregnant with Lula. Yes. And so we were dealing with the financial fallout and like failure. It was hard. It was a hard time. It was hard. (laughs) But he had just graduated from college. He was telling us about his dreams and all the things. And... When I told him what I had just been through and what I was still trying to dig my way out of, like his eyes lit up and he looked at me and he said, oh, I study business. That's what I took. <laughs> he said, well, now you failed. So now you can be a huge success. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But it was just like matter of fact. And he said, I really don't want to have to fail, but I know I'm probably going to have to. <laughs> but whether he knows, I think I've told him this because we're still connected to him somewhat. Mm-hmm. 
that gave me what I needed to keep going mm. because I was in a bad place. Like, just how do I keep going with this yeah. mess that I'm in? But it was, if you study highly successful people, they also fail a lot, a lot of failures. And I love that too, because a lot of times, I mean, he was younger than us. He was, hadn't kind of been on the ventures that we had been on yet. Yeah. You would think like, oh, he's green. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. But here's what I love about that (laughs) is that like, he was like, I feel like we all need each other no matter where we are, like on this path or in the adventure. But he was able to kind of very innocently... And I love the innocently part, be able to like breathe like fresh wind, like, okay, you know, and uh, it's just kind of neat. And it was so matter of fact, he was like, oh, well, now you'll be successful because you did your big fail. You'll be fine now. (laughs) Yeah. And it it did did work out like that. It did. Yeah. That's neat. Okay. So what are some questions that we can think about? All right. Questions for discussion. And these are, again, we can try to answer them, but these are really, and I'll put them in the show notes. These are really just to ask yourself some of these questions just to get your mind working. Yeah. If our perception of and response to failure were changed, then what would we boldly attempt to achieve? How long do you got for me to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but just think about it. Yeah, I am thinking about it. What would you what would you shoot for? I really like have a lot of things I would shoot for, I can tell you. All right, well think about that question. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just for us to think, like, what would we do if we knew we couldn't fail? Yeah. Like, what would we boldly attempt to achieve? Would we love our families more? Would we spend time with our kids? Would we invest in places maybe that we wouldn't otherwise? Mm-hmm. It's just to get you to thinking. That's good. Like, what can we achieve in our life, and our family, our business, and our mm-hmm. relationships, all the things? All right, next question. If I fail at something, does that make me a failure? No. <laughs> I know these are rhetorical, but... Absolutely. I mean, that to me, I feel like maybe some people need to hear that. Like just because you failed, like you, you are not a failure. I mean, I've failed many times this week and I'm this week, but I don't think I'm a failure (laughs) this week. (laughs) Well, if you go back to the season four of the straight out prison podcast, when I got to the end of realizing that I was going to have to shut down my second restaurant Mm -hmm. and it was a total fail. Yeah. I remember going through this thing, even talking to Jesus like this is worse than just me failing this makes you fail this Mm -hmm. is I mean this is all public and humiliating yeah and I'll never forget what he said to me and I actually wrote it I wrote down my journal he said we'll show them how you can fail and not be a failure Mm -hmm. so that's what we're doing here that's great next question so can the mistakes we make actually become stepping stones to success and if they can how I feel like we've already covered this, but I think yeah. I think when you're asking the question, mm-hmm. it's good to like think of it in context of like our own life, our own Absolutely. journey, our own you know yeah. failures that can become steps. These questions are for the folks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> folks. So if we are full of guilt and condemnation, or just feeling bad about mistakes that we've made or failures, how can this stop us from reaching our potential? It's a good one because you, if you. Have all these guilty feelings and you can't get over and all things, you can't really move forward. You kind of get stuck. Yeah. So, and then when you get stuck, how does that affect your life, your family, your business, your relationships, and all the things? Mm-hmm. So, the best thing to do is what I heard a church lady used to say all the time. Church lady, a lady that I used to go to church with, an older <laughs> lady, she used to say, Hey, you just need to build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> 
And that's not necessarily good advice when you're in the middle of something. Right. But at some point, you do need yeah. to build a bridge, and but learn. Don't just, sure. don't just get over it. Learn. All right. So what is the major difference between successful and unsuccessful people? Well, do you want me to answer? This always feels like a tension for me because I know they're rhetorical for other people to think about, but I always want to answer. I'll answer. Um, What was the question again? (laughs) (laughs) What is the major difference between successful and unsuccessful people? I feel like we talked about this, you know, before that people usually quit right before, I mean, the Thomas Edison thing, right before they find the thing. And even, I mean, I'm thinking in context of like business and networking and like, which is what, you know, I'm doing a lot of now that they say it takes seven touches, mm-hmm. like to get someone to kind of respond or to jump on board, whatever it is you're, you know, trying to get them to do, whether it's sales or whatever. But most people quit right before that seventh time right because you're like, reason. man, they've said no this many times or they've ignored me or whatever the case may be um, multiple times, which I mean is understandable, but it's just to keep stepping, keep asking. Mm-hmm. So John Maxwell says the difference between successful and unsuccessful people is their perception of and their response to failure. Mm. Like, what are you going to do with your fails? Because you're all going to fail. Everybody's going to fail. And if you're, you say, well, I'm good at getting up and keeping on trying, then I think the challenge is to like see if you can get up faster the next time you fail. And learn. Like, yeah, keep, that, and learn. <laughs> <laughs> it's good you keep reminding them. The nugget of that is learn, that. learn yeah. something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, let's take something we can use in yeah. the future. So... Uh, Successful people respond to failure differently than unsuccessful people. Successful people say, oh, ow, that was a burn. Let's let's don't do that again. Let's figure out a better way. Mm-hmm. And they learn it becomes a step to greatness. Yeah. All right. What is something you once saw as a failure that taught you something good? Or in the moment it was a fail, but it taught you something good? Well, I have a very, I mean, just because I was telling this today in a presentation I was giving this morning is when I moved to Alabama and I couldn't find a job and it felt like a fail. It felt like, why can't I, why can't I get a job? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, am I looking (laughs) in the right places? Like what's happening, you know? And it just kind of felt like a failure, especially since I had a really flourishing career before over in Europe in another country. Teaching, you're a teacher. Right. But that kind of like failure to get another job, whatever I was doing wrong, I mean, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. became really kind of the pivoting, pivotal point of me doing what we're doing today. I mean, yeah. if you look at it that way, even though I didn't know you, but it got me kind of plugged into like the business world, the marketing world, which then turned into like being able to help people in their businesses. So it's good stuff. Yeah. There was a, I don't, I don't remember where this quote is, but I'll, I'll try to find out who said it and update it. But it says the only thing worse than failing is succeeding at something that doesn't matter. And on the other side of my fail with Cairo's Cafe in Gardendale, and when we got to the end of being the restaurant business altogether, I realized I don't I wouldn't have wanted that to be my life anyways. Right. I, yeah. It would be hard to be engaged as a dad and to raise my kids and do the things that are in my heart to do if I was doing that. So if I had have succeeded, it would have been wouldn't have mattered. That's true because you would have been probably in the thick of it and just no time to even think. Yeah, about what you're doing and why you're doing it. I might not. I yeah. may have never gotten out of that. But I may have never even asked you out on a date and married you and had our babies and our family. Wow! So there would be no Team Jones. Man, 
<laughs> good lens right there. Well, my friend Tim Busby, right after we went out of business in Gardendale, and then when we started dating, he saw something with you before I did. Like, he knew that, or he says he knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how people do. Yeah. But I was going through the process of trying to figure it out, and he said, James, I think you found your wife. And I said, oh, we'll see. I don't know. We're we're treading lightly. And he said, even if you lost a million dollars and you found your wife, then you did good. You win. <laughs> and there is something <laughs> to that. Cute. Yeah. All right. The last one, and we've already covered this a little bit, but it's worth adding in there. Sometimes I win. Sometimes I learn. But I'm never a failure. Mm-hmm. True or false? True. What if you say it's true, false? True, true, true. What? This is one of those like inner vows, the things that you need to examine. Right. Sometimes I win, sometimes I learn, but I'm never a failure. So you have to ask yourself, if you say it's false, like why do you believe that? Where's mm-hmm. that coming from? And reposition yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's next? What's next? The key is to get a new perspective on mistakes and learn how to fail forward because we're all going to fail. The important thing is to decide ahead of time how we will respond to failures and mistakes. You're never a failure until you quit. And just uh, tag on, John Maxwell wrote a book called Failing Forward, one of the best books I've ever read on dealing with failure. And I think when my kids are old enough, all my kids are going to read this book. Mm -hmm. And... Go get it. Yeah. (laughs) Go get it right now. Yeah. I do think this is good because, I mean, anyone who's listening to this and even the people that are not listening to this have all experienced experienced failure. And I think, like, when you look at people, like successful people you don't know or even, I mean, I just feel like this is true for 100% of humans. Absolutely. Yeah. It's part of being human. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's why we need Jesus. Right. We can't. We can't do it. We can't be yeah. perfect. But we can learn. We can go through the process. We can commit to our potential, accept reality, embrace the process, see ourselves the way we're supposed to. I think like I, the basic tagline for this, which is short and simple and people can remember, yeah. and we say this, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Yep. Just keep it at that. That's it. <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> I know there's a challenge every week. So what is the challenge for this key? I call this the perspective challenge. So without thinking too hard, think about a few things you've tried and then failed at, or you tried it and then you messed up very badly. But then next, think about what you've learned from each one of those failures. Something that changed you, something positive that you can pull out of the experience, anything that will help you redefine that as a fail. And then find the lesson in each of those scenarios. And once you find the lesson, don't just keep them to yourself, like learn, do all the things, but then share them with other people so you can help other people learn and grow, like especially people that know you. Yeah. And I think like I like what you said, like redefine the failure. Like if you can think of something positive that came out of that, I mean, even like having that in your, I call it like a toolbox when something comes yeah. up with somebody else that you can, you know, because you've redefined it, that's something that you can help others with, you know, after you've helped yourself with it. And it actually does help people. I was taught and I learned and, you know, the first 10 or 15 years of following Jesus trying to do ministry is that you share your testimony This is my testimony. Like all the good things. Like, God, he's so good. Right. That's what people do on social media with their weight loss. (laughs) It's annoying. (laughs) 
<laughs> Anyways, I learned during my time at the foundry, people don't learn from my successes. They can be inspired by them. Mm-hmm. People connect and learn lessons from my failures. Yeah. And if I'll share my failures, if I'll be vulnerable enough to tell the truth, and this is how I failed and this is how it worked out, then that's when you can really make an impact and start helping people. So I think it's more important to share your failures than it is your successes. That's true. I mean, but on the flip side, we don't want to get out of bounds with that and go around just, I'm just, I failed everything I said. <laughs> you know, but like, what did you learn? How did it change you? How I did suck. It- <laughs> and look how amazing I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to close out with a story of a man named Craig Groeschel. You know who he is? I know he's a pastor of a big church somewhere. He is. He is the leader of Life Church. It's the largest church in the United States of America. Okay. And where is it? He's in Oklahoma, Oklahoma. based, but okay. they're, they're all over. Like they yeah. started, study him out, like okay. study out their model. It is, uh, they not only have a reach in America, they have a global reach. They've mm-hmm. created the Bible app. I mean, yeah. just the things that they do that to make a difference in this world is just phenomenal. But if you go back to his beginning, mm-hmm. you know, he was in college. He had an experience with Jesus, got on fire and all things, got married. Not literal fire, just for those of you that. Yeah, he was just excited. Excited, passionate, yeah. But he felt a call, like, to ministry, like I'm supposed to have a church and help people. Mm-hmm. So he went through through the denomination he was connected to. He went through seminary and did all the all the studying and all the stuff where they beat the life out of you with all. The- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I shouldn't say that. I have yeah. friends that are, have been to seminary and they loved it. For me, it would be more like cemetery. It right. would kill me. It would just take <laughs> it all away from me. But he did all the things that they were supposed to do. And when he graduated, did all the work, put in all the things. He was newly married. You know, they were struggling financially because he was going to school all the time, but this was their dream. This is what they're going to do. And when you got to the end of your studies, you had to go in front of a board of, like, elders, mm-hmm. you know, grumpy old men. Yeah. <laughs> and they would have to choose you to say whether you were called into ministry or not. That's stressful. Oh, yeah. Well, but he knew that he was called, and that this is what he was supposed to do. But at his—I forget, it's some— Religious word. Ceremony. Yeah. They told him, uh, you're not called to ministry. You're not called to be a pastor, and you just need to go do something else. Oh, my gosh. Is that after the whole seminary school? Yeah, he put in all the work, did all the things. Oh, my gosh. But so he gets back in his car. He's devastated. You know, I think he said he was— I feel like they should do that on the front end. Sorry I'm getting caught up in the story, <laughs> yeah. but, like, I mean, why wouldn't you do that on the front end? I anyway. feel like take four years yeah. of your life and all your money. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not called. You're not anyway, called. go you're ahead. You're not chosen. <laughs> but uh, he was devastated more so because he had to go home and tell his wife. Like, they had sacrificed for the school and all the things, and he said he was—it uh, was a huge fail. Mm-hmm. And he got in his car— was headed home, and he said, Jesus spoke to him and said, don't listen to that. You're, I've called you. I'm the one that matters. Fast forward. <laughs> Look at him now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, brother man is global, and but he's not like arrogant or prideful and that stuff. He is making a difference in this world. Phenomenal ministry, phenomenal church. They have like tons of outreach. He does like a leadership podcast where he doesn't talk about Jesus. He's just sharing leadership principles. Mm -hmm. And they were actually voted the number one workplace in the United States of America to work for. Really? Not by church people. 
by business, like wow. a business, I'd have to fact check exactly what, but by business people, like huh. people that look at corporations and businesses, Life Church is the number one place to work at in the United States of America. Wow. But it's because of his leadership and the way that he does. Yeah. But he had to go through that huge fail, mm-hmm. get rejected, was told to quit, give up on your dreams, all things. Wow. But uh, not just where would he be now, but he has impacted our country mm-hmm. with the stuff that they do. Our church that we go to, Church of Homes, is the second largest church yeah. in America. They partner on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just phenomenal. Like, he could have taken that fail and went home and said, okay, I'm going to go get a job doing something I hate. Right. And, you know, popping the clock and figuring it out. But because he didn't give in to that and he learned something from it, mm-hmm. look at him now. That's awesome. Look at the brother now. Yeah. So... There we go. That's neat. So to close out with John Maxwell's quote, and I've done a lot of John Maxwell pushes here. So, John, if you're listening to this, <laughs> give me a little kickback on the you know, 22 million books. Holler back. <laughs> but, no, I only share him. I only share John Maxwell stuff because it's real, and I've applied it to my life, and I've learned it, and it works. Mm-hmm. But he says that failure is simply a price that we pay to achieve success. That's good. Now, I normally don't do this. Like I end after the challenge. Right. But for this key, I have some notes that I've kept inspiring things about people that failed that I've, I just want to read this out. Yeah. I actually have heard some of this list. This is a good one. And I'll try to put this in the show notes, but I think it may be too many yeah. notes. <laughs> Maybe I can share it on social media. Okay. So Michael Jordan is one of the greatest basket players of all time, undisputed, but his ninth grade coach cut him from the team. Wow. Imagine that. Can you imagine me the coach that cut Michael Jordan? <laughs> yeah. But in learning from failure, that may be one of the things that made him so good. Mm-hmm. Henry Ford, the inventor of the first car that was available to the masses, failed and went broke five times before he finally succeeded. So who can say Henry? Who can say Ford without you knowing who that yeah, is? Yeah, exactly. But he failed and went broke five times before he finally succeeded. People told him to quit, give it up. Thomas Edison's teacher said he was too stupid to learn anything. He was fired from his first two jobs for being non-productive. But as an inventor, Edison made 10,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb before finally finding one that worked. This one's a little more modern. Steve Harvey, you might know him from the Family Feud. You know, he's a comedian, all things. He was told by his elementary school teacher that he was stupid for thinking that he was ever going to be on TV because they put out a thing and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he wrote on there, I want to be on TV. <laughs> she brought him in front of the class, shamed him. Oh, my gosh. Shamed him, made him feel like he was, and told him, who you know on TV? Your mom on TV? Your daddy on TV? You can't even talk. You ain't never going to be on TV. Well, now, present day, 2021, actually probably for the last seven, eight years, you can't go through a day without seeing Steve Harvey. So you can't find the TV. He's not on. So Come every on. year for Christmas, he sends that teacher a <laughs> TV gosh. so she can watch him on TV. But not just that. I mean, when he started his, when he was leaving his corporate job to go do the comedian thing, his boss told him, well, Steve, let's just forget you said this. Let's go back to your cubicle and do the things. But he he said he realized that he couldn't let that man tell him what his destiny was. And he had hard road ahead. He had a lot of fails, but ultimately he succeeded, and it's just a, a beautiful story. Great story. All right, here's one from the ages. Abraham Lincoln. This is just his resume, so I'm going to read. Age 22, he failed in business. 
age 23, ran for the legislature and was defeated. Age 24, failed again. Age 26, his sweetheart died. Age 27, he had a nervous breakdown. Age 29, he ran for and was defeated for elector. Age 34, he was defeated for Congress. Age 37, he was elected to Congress. Age 39, defeated for Congress. Age 46, defeated for the Senate. Age 47, he was defeated for vice president. Age 49, again, he was defeated for the Senate. Age 51, he was elected president of the United States of America. Wow. I don't know about you, but I would have had to tell Abraham if I knew him, like, somewhere in the middle. Like, do something else. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely would have told him that somewhere in the middle. (laughs) It ain't working out for you. I mean, you got 20, 30, 40 years of trying to get elected. You've only been elected to one two-year term. Like, let's move on. Let's find something else to do. But uh, at age 51, he was elected president of the United States of America, and he was the man that we needed for the moment. And, gosh, we we might not even have a country Mm. if he wasn't our president during that time. I think that speaks to just having resolve when you know, yeah, you know, and you're clear on what what you should be doing, what you're supposed to be doing, like and not there's up. power in that resolve and not giving up. Yeah, I'm sure you learned something from all that. Joyce Meyer, who is one of our most effective teachers, was told to give up on her vision of ministry and helping people. They told her her voice was all wrong, her personality was too abrasive, and nobody would ever listen to a word she had to say. And she's another one. It'd be hard for people to turn on the TV without seeing her somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the haters are going to hate. So Fred Astaire, he was a silver screen actor. Like a lot of people don't know who Fred Astaire is these days. Yeah. But he was uh, an actor, but he danced in the, the musicals, mm-hmm. the silver screen musicals. He took a screen test in 1933. The memo that came back from MGM Studios read, This guy can't act. He's slightly bald. And he can only dance a little. Fred Astaire kept that memo hanging over his fireplace in his Beverly Hills home. <laughs> oh, that's great. A newspaper fired Walt Disney because they said he lacked ideas. He wasn't creative enough. Wow. And I'll close with a story of John Wesley. He is one of my favorite leaders in church history just because of the way his life was transformed. He was... he. Came from England. He was part of the Anglican Church. Anglican Church. He was very religious. Mm-hmm. Came over to America on some missionary journeys and realized whatever I got here ain't working out. Mm-hmm. Came into a relationship with Jesus through a boat ride with some people that had the had the real Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. Went back to England and wanted to preach the gospel and tell people that Jesus was real. Jesus wasn't a religion, and was met with a lot of resistance. But ultimately, he was a world changer. But they found one of John Wesley's diaries that told of his struggles after he started preaching the gospel. I'm just going to read his things. Sunday, May 5th in the a.m., I preached at St. Anne's, and I was asked not to come back anymore. (laughs) Sunday, May the 5th on the p.m., I preached at St. John's, and the deacon said, Get out and stay out. (laughs) Sunday, May 12th in the a.m., I preached at St. Jude's. Now, I can't go back there either. Nobody, the religious people, they don't, we don't want to hear all that. <laughs> Sunday, May 19th in the a.m., I preached at St. something or other, and they called a special meeting and said, you can't come back here. We don't want to hear that again. Sunday, May the 19th in the p.m., I preached on the street, and I got kicked off the street. Sunday, May 26th in the a.m., I preached in the meadow, 
and I got chased out of the meadow when they turned a bull out during the service. So they were trying to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to go somewhere. Sunday, June the 2nd, the a.m., I preached out of the edge of town, and I got kicked off the highway and ran out of town. <laughs> Sunday, June 2nd, in the afternoon, I preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. He just didn't quit. He knew what he had was real. He knew he just had to keep going. And even though everything was coming against him, eventually he made it there. And, you know, he was a world changer. Wow. Where would we be without John Wesley? (laughs) James is getting emotional over here. He's making me emotional. (laughs) I'm actually thinking about us now. Like the stuff that we're pushing through, we know we're supposed to do it. And Mm -hmm. it's not making sense. The finances aren't adding up. But I just, we just keep going. Yeah. And there's resolve for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, fail forward, fail fast. I heard one guy say fail early. Go ahead and fail. Get out of your system. <laughs> <laughs> Do all the things so you can learn and move yeah. on. All right. Thanks, guys. This has been good. I can't wait to share the number eight key with you. Yes. Thanks, guys. See you next time. All righty. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you like what you've heard, you can subscribe to all of our podcasts on Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeart, or really just about anywhere you enjoy listening to podcasts. Most of you know about the Straight Outta Prison podcast, and we want you to know we've added two new platforms. The For Real Real, where we talk about real life, things you would never see on a highlight reel. Things that might make you blush and might make you question some things that you never thought about. Unpack the week's hot button issues, current events. Along with the weekly Jamesism and Haleyism. Now you have to tune in to find out what that means. <laughs> Tune in to find out what that means. And there in the gap where I'm sharing with Haley the lessons I learned in getting from where I was to where I was supposed to be. Narrowing the Gap is a teaching companion to the Straight Outta Prison podcast where he really digs into some of the profound lessons that he learned and had to walk out in his journey in prison and coming out of prison. Or download the Patreon app and you can get all of our content early and ad-free. Straight out of prison podcast, the for real, real, and there in the gap. Listen on Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Other ways you can support us is to like and share the episodes of the podcast. Leave us a rating and a review. And support our sponsors. They help us provide this platform for free. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And again, thank you guys for being a part of our story.
Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. It's written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. That's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. <laughs> or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If, if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast, Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs>
or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing.